Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 194. So this is a bonus episode for those of you who listen regularly. I always post on Mondays, really, really try to keep to that. I'm recording this though on a Wednesday. So this is just kind of a little uh, inspiration that I had today after a conversation I had with a teacher yesterday. And I thought, let me do this right now as a podcast episode, this topic so it's fresh in my mind and I'm just in, in the mindset to share it, inspired to share it rather than waiting till Monday. So here we are on Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. And this episode is going to be all about key steps that you can consider, that you can think about that you can do on your teaching path. And this came to me out of a conversation I recently had with a yoga teacher where um, this teacher was asking me a little bit about my background and, you know, how did you develop your yoga business, develop as a teacher? And I got into a little bit of kind of just some of the highlights of my path, which at the time really didn't stand out to me as they do now, which oftentimes when you look back on things, you have the ability to kind of sort them into different buckets and sort of think about them as almost principles. And so I wanted to kind of pull them together in a short list and share them with you in the hopes that, you know, some of these things may really resonate with you may be uh, timely for you to hear now so that you can save yourself some of the <laughs> some of the struggle that I kind of experienced because I was learning these things as I was going along. I've been teaching for about 15 years now. So I've had kind of the tenure in the industry to have been exposed to a lot of different things. And it's been a long time since I've worked in a corporate job. I intentionally left a 20-year corporate career to teach yoga full-time, and I've maintained that as my single source of income and support and revenue and growth of my retirement plan and all of it 
um, for over 10 years now. So I have a proven track record and I've learned a lot. And whenever I have an opportunity to share like this with teachers, I want to do that because I really truly believe that number one, we can all learn from each other. And also if I can sort of short circuit and fast track your growth in a way that I didn't have the opportunity to do in some of these areas, I definitely want to be able to do that. So before I get into those short list or that short list of things, um, principles, ideas, I want to just remind you, depending on when you are hearing this, tomorrow is going to be the second in my summer workshop series. And this is a chance for you to take part in these lively workshops where I will be presenting on different topics. Last month I did hip anatomy, tomorrow is shoulder anatomy, next month is the spine. And this summer workshop series comes not just as a series of workshops where you'll have a chance to not only learn the anatomy, but learn the skills that come from understanding it, the cues and the building of the sequences and the answering student questions. You will also have immediate access when you register for the workshop to the course part of my full anatomy training program. And so giving you this course access is a new thing I'm doing in a membership model. So you simply pay one price, $59.99, and you get access to the workshop, you get access to the course, and you do that on a monthly basis for as long as you'd like. Maybe it takes you, you know, six months to go through the course. Maybe you participate in the workshops for six months, and then you drop off. If you choose to invest in the full program, which gives you the full program bonuses like the coaching calls with me and the anatomy manual and the practice portal that has dozens of pre-recorded se pre sequences in it, I give you a 50% discount. So to register for this workshop tomorrow, and believe me, you don't even need to be there live because the recordings go into the course. So if you missed uh, the one last month, that will be in the course, tomorrow's will be in the course, the spine one will be in the course. It's always better to show up live though, because you get to ask questions. So to get the details, to sign up for these workshops, to be part of this new membership that I intentionally priced at a very reasonable price of $59.99 a month, to give you total control on how long you want to make an investment in your learning and at a price that I think is really reasonable. Wouldn't you agree? $59.99 is pretty, pretty reasonable to have access to a full online anatomy program that has the potential to really change your teaching rather than sharing cues and not understanding the anatomy behind it to share cues and really understand the why. And again, the full benefit of the program only comes to teachers who are enrolled in the full program, and I'm offering you a 50% discount to do that. So this is really a chance for you to up-level your teaching, to up-level your impact, to really leave your students with an imprint beyond just teaching classes and teaching poses, to give them critical information about movement, understanding how the body moves, understanding the muscles in action in the poses, even in ways that maybe you're not literally speaking to it, maybe it comes out when they ask you a question after class. So if you're looking for more confidence, looking for a way to really build your impact as a teacher 
this offer is definitely for you. Just go to my website on the events page, you will see the link for the workshop series. So as we go into this um, conversation here, again, I wanna just pre uh, preface this by saying this came out of uh, a question that I was asked recently by a yoga teacher and she, you know, she wanted some background on me. And as we got into this conversation about my background, I thought this would make a really um, good discussion between teachers. And now, of course, you can't discuss it with me live because you're listening here on the, on the show. However, I hope that this sparks some conversation. And I always encourage you to send me a DM on Instagram or an email about anything that you hear on the show that sparks your interest or your curiosity or you have a question about. So having said that, you know, this is, these are some of the things that I've learned over the past 15 or so years of teaching, things that I have really felt have guided me as principals and have really helped me build a successful, steady business as a yoga teacher. So the first thing is to find your niche. There are thousands of yoga teachers all over the world, thousands of training programs all over the world. And that makes it difficult, I think, for teachers to find a way that they can connect with a particular style of yoga and a way of being as a teacher. However, <laughs> if you take the personal development time through journaling and meditation and trying different things that I believe all teachers need to do, you will find a style of yoga, a style of teaching, a way of being when you teach that is most authentically you and a way that allows you to feel like you're in sync with your, uh, your dharma, right? Your, your way of being uh, a light in the world, your, your specific purpose in the world. I have found that in teaching anatomy. I truly firmly believe that, you know, as I attached to that topic, as I developed uh, my, my knowledge and the depth of knowledge I have on anatomy, it became super clear to me that this was where my passion was. And this was where my skill set was in sharing anatomy with my students and with teachers in particular and making it really understandable, especially with a topic that a lot of people think is hard to understand. It really became my superpower to explain and share anatomical concepts in a way that makes it fun and makes it easy for people to understand you should find your superpower, your niche, your way of sharing yoga and be committed to that. Even though it may change over time, and I'm not saying don't ever change it, what I'm suggesting is that it can be really helpful to have your own style of teaching and sharing and way of being and to really truly commit to that as your niche. So that leads me to the next one, which is stop trying to be popular and instead look to be accessible. Now, of course you may hear this and you may think, well, Karen, I'm not trying to be popular or maybe you hear this and it does kind of 
hit home for you and that maybe you are changing what you're doing to try to attract students. I can definitely remember years ago when I was teaching at a popular studio and the teachers there, some of them were having really packed classes. And I had some moderately crowded classes, uh, although I wasn't having classes as crowded as, as some of the other teachers. And I, I do believe that sometimes is, is a function of when your class is. However, be that as it may, there were other teachers teaching in different styles, several of which were styles that I had absolutely no connection to. I, I didn't really enjoy teaching that style of yoga or adding that kind of music or that kind of conversation. And yet I knew that that was resonating with a large number of people. And so in the back of my mind, I thought, well, what if I played with that style of music or that style of yoga or chatter in that sort of way, would that grow my classes? But I knew inside that it would be inauthentic and out of integrity, and it would feel really, really fake and uncomfortable. So I was definitely unwilling to do that. So I just throw that out there, especially if you're a newer, te a newer teacher and you're looking at other yoga teachers, especially on social media, and you're feeling like you need to teach in a particular way in order to grow your classes. And we typically equate that with being quote unquote popular. What I would say to replace that with is the idea of being accessible. Now, of course, if you want to teach really tiny niche classes where you have a handful of people and they're all of a specific body type and they all have a specific interest in this very niche way of practicing yoga, go for it. That relates to what I was saying in step one, you know, own your niche. However, if you're not in that mindset, then think about ways, I would encourage you to think about ways that you can make your teaching as accessible as possible. So as many people, regardless of age, experience, and joint mobility, we often don't hear about that, but joint mobility is such an important feature to consider when you're teaching your classes. I work with lots of teachers in my signature program on anatomy, they go through sequences with me that they're sharing in their classes and they're offering things like double binds and lotus pose that require a lot of joint mobility that many people don't have. Think about every pose through the lens of accessibility. And if it's not highly accessible, I would gently suggest that you don't put it in your sequences because you want, if this is something that resonates with you, your classes to be accessible by as many people as possible. That doesn't have to do with popularity, that has to do with accessibility. And if part of your vision and goal is to make yoga accessible to people, then through what you offer in your sequences, that will directly tie to how accessible your classes are to people. So that's number two. Number three is resist the urge to hitch your wagon to someone else and instead carve your own path. So I'm gonna say that again, resist the urge to hitch your wagon to someone else and instead carve your own path. You know, years ago, my first teacher, Baron Baptiste, who I absolutely loved, I learned a tremendous amount from him. And this was 
years ago at a time when there weren't that many sort of top tier yoga teachers that had a lot of opportunities given to them. They were on the cover of the magazines. They were hosting retreats where there were hundreds of people and events where there were hundreds of people. Baron was one of those teachers. And I was on the beginning phases of him developing his certified teacher program. I was one of the first certified teachers within that organization. I worked for him. I did boot camps uh, with him. I assisted him at, at trainings. I worked in the back office. I handled the certification program. It was a big part of my initial development as a yoga teacher and learning about yoga business. And there were opportunities that teachers were getting that were part of working for a teacher who has a lot on their plate. Um, maybe some things that they can't get to, or maybe some opportunities that they want to share with teachers that work for them as a stepping stone for that teacher to get new opportunities. And so for me, it was always a little bit of a push pull and a balance because I also wanted to do things on my own. However, opportunities that you get from a teacher who's, um, who's more experienced than you, who's got more exposure than you, this was at a very different time than right now where there weren't that many opportunities for newer teachers to get exposure. I mean, this was even before we had Instagram and Facebook. So, I mean, it really was primarily through word of mouth and teaching classes and going to events and presenting that you got your name out there. And so back then when I had opportunities to do this, it was tempting and at the same time, I also wanted to build my own business and I wanted to do some of my own things. And I was finding it was hard for me to do that because I was sort of overcommitted on, on the side of being part of that organization. And so I just bring this up as something to consider, you know, for those of you out there who have a, a, a really good, respectful, high level relationship with a mentor, you know, keep in mind that there's kind of a fork in the road you'll get to where you'll either branch off on your own or you'll continue to work for that let's just call it a senior teacher and sort of support that person. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying this is a binary choice. All I'm saying is be intentional about what you want to do and don't avoid going off on your own out of fear that you can't do it without the endorsement and the affiliation with this other teacher who is, again, we're just saying more senior than you, more opportunities than you, more exposure than you. So that's all I'll say about that. I hope I'm being clear. This is definitely not meant to be a disparaging thing. I hope this is more thought provoking than anything else. The next thing is this idea somewhat related to the one I just shared, which is be skeptical if someone asks you for forever loyalty, right? Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of this. When we used to go to boot camps with Baron, one of the things that we did um, 
or one of the things that was offered as part of one of the boot camps, this was again years ago in the early 2000s, was we went to a location in Montana where there was a sweat lodge. Now, when I say sweat lodge, the retreat was at a, an ancient, um, I don't want to say an ancient burial ground, but it was in Montana. There was a medicine man there. There was a teepee. There was an opportunity to go into the teepee. There was chanting. It was apparently very hot. I did not do it. Now, I didn't do it because just from a health perspective, I was concerned. You know, I was concerned that it wasn't safe. Now, my memory, and any of you listening to this that may have attended one of those trainings or may have gone to another training when there was a sweat lodge, you know, you may have thought it was the best thing in the world and more power to you. The experience that I had in that scenario, I can actually say I wasn't pressured to go in the sweat lodge. However, it was very much like everybody was just jumping in the pool, right? They were just going to do it because it was held out as an option. And while this doesn't necessarily fall into the bucket of forever loyalty, there were other things, and I don't want to go into a lot of the details uh, because I think it could potentially be misrepresented. I just want to leave it with, and this again relates to if you have a really strong relationship with a senior teacher, remember you are your own teacher and it's really important for your development as a teacher, for you to find your own way, for you to be your own teacher, for you to have your own voice. And if anyone is ever asking you to make full commitments or asking you to do things that you don't feel are copacetic or you're not comfortable with, it's completely within your agency as a person to say no. Now, I'm definitely not getting into anything that has to do with sexual harassment or sexual abuse or violating your person on a physical level. There are other things, though, like in my example, going to this training, if I had felt pressured to go into that sweat lodge, which I did not feel pressure, but if I had felt pressure, then that could potentially be an issue. Uh, even without that pressure, though, there was kind of an implied agreement. Oh, well, you're here, you're going to do that. And I was only one of a handful of people that did not go. And I felt completely comfortable with my decision. Um, I can also remember other situations where we were doing group exercises, not at this training, but at other um, meetings we would have. And we were expected to say certain things and do certain things and share a particular level of commitment. And my radar definitely went up. And this was again in the early 2000s. And I, you know, remember talking to my parents and just saying like, this is not right. This is a level of commitment that I'm being asked to, to, to um, make that really infringes upon me uh, as an individual. And Again, this was my perception. This had nothing to do with my physical body or anything like that. It really just had to do with how I perceived the conversations. And um, I'm not downplaying my perception, but nor am I you know, making more of it than, than it is. I'm simply just sharing with you that if you are exposed to an idea or a thought or an opportunity or encouraged to do certain things, you know, by a teacher who is senior to you, 
you know, know that you have agency over your body and you can say no and you can do your own thing. And even in the moment, if it feels like you're turning your back on the golden ticket, uh, it probably is not that, right? You're always going to have more success forging your own path because you're going to be in integrity with your own personal principles. So that's that one. The next one is be willing to step outside the prescribed path especially when it comes to your education. So this is a really big one for me because as a yoga teacher who specializes in anatomy and as someone who originally started out in the physical therapy program at Boston University, so I thought I was going to be a physical therapist. And after a couple of years in the PT program, I ended up switching to their rehab counseling program and worked as a rehab counselor and a social worker because I wanted to work with the whole person and not just the limbs. Um, be that as it may though, you know, when I got into formal teacher training, I realized there was a real lack when it came to the presentation of anatomy. And that was one of the main driving forces for me creating my own program. I wanted to fill that gap. When it got to a point where I leveraged the information and the knowledge I already had, and I wanted to grow my knowledge, I did find one teacher in particular who I really truly respect and learned a lot from and continue to learn from Tiffany Cruikshank. And with that information, I was filling my cup from a continuing ed perspective. I knew though that I wanted more than that. I wanted something a little bit more formal, a little bit more tangible. Uh, and so I looked outside the yoga industry and that's when I became well-versed in the offerings uh, of NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine and pursued taking the exam, took the exam, passed the exam for certified personal trainer. And with that added to my anatomy knowledge from an industry outside the yoga industry. And then I ended up getting an additional certification from them in corrective exercise, which is absolutely knowledge that I use as a yoga teacher because it has to do with a lot around muscle compensations. And we see a lot of muscle compensations at play when we are teaching yoga. However, <laughs> that information is never touched on in any yoga teacher training. It's really the variety of what is shared out there uh, in the anatomy space for yoga teachers is so broad. And I know this because all the teachers that go through my program all have had different experiences in the myriad of trainings that they've taken. So I have proof and evidence that demonstrate as an industry, the yoga industry is not providing consistent, high quality anatomy information to teachers. And so that's oftentimes why teachers are out there sharing cues and they don't understand the whys behind the cue. They don't understand how to help people with their questions. They're having a tough time building sequences. It all has to do with this lack of a good fundamental knowledge of anatomy. And you can sort of get by without it because you can just stand there and repeat a bunch of stuff and your students probably aren't going to ask you, but deep inside you're going to know that there's no connection between what you're saying and what you know, and that can only take you so far. So this particular issue or thought of being willing to step outside the prescribed path is something that I always encourage teachers to do. And this may not mean necessarily going to 
um, NASM or ACE, you know, one of the personal training organizations to get trained by them. It may simply mean stepping outside the hours-based training path that so many teachers are attaching themselves to for, for a reason that really hasn't been clarified. It's just sort of become the way. So I just encourage you that as you're taking a look at where you're at as a teacher, as you assess independent of outside influences, what your challenges are right now, what you need more of right now, don't be afraid to step outside the hours-based training path to seek out the kinds of trainings that you truly believe will help you move forward. The teachers that come into my program, they oftentimes come to it after spending thousands of dollars on hours-based training, and they still don't have the anatomy knowledge that they needed. And so that's a perfect example. They could have you know, save that money by just taking my training before those hours-based trainings, and they would have gotten where they needed to go faster and for less money. So don't be afraid to do that. Don't hook your wagon up to this idea that after your 200 hour, you're going to take a 300 hour and, you know, you don't need to do that. It's individualized. You can make it an individual path that you create. That's one of the beauties of the yoga industry is that you have the freedom to do that. The next thing is exude confidence, even if you're a little nervous, but don't make shit up. <laughs> don't make shit up. Don't stand there in front of your classes and just make stuff up. Like move your scapula this way or roll this that way or you know, use your core in this pose if you don't know. You know, yes, stand up there with butterflies in your stomach, take a deep breath and feel your feet on the floor and do your best to come across as a confident teacher, even if you're a little nervous. Just don't pretend by using cues that you truly don't know. My biggest suggestion there is simply use action cues and confidently share them. You know those step and reach and hug and squeeze and open and you know spread your fingers wide and open your eyes and see clearly and you know feel your feet on the floor and all of those clear action cues you can say those with conviction and clarity and confidence because you know at that most basic level what actions you want people to do on the mat. It's when we oftentimes wade into alignment cues, anatomy-based cues, that we get into that tricky spot where we're starting to share things that we really don't know. And that's where we're really making shit up. So that, that's just one thing I would say not to do. The next thing is create your own opportunities. This one is huge. There are so many teachers I talk to who are sitting around waiting for things to happen. I remember I had this whole conversation with the teacher one time and she was teaching at a particular studio. The studio owner was giving her grief over the quality of her classes. The studio owner's perception was the quality of her classes was not meeting whatever standard she had. And so this teacher was just sort of you know, staying engaged with this conversation rather than looking for new opportunities or better yet, creating 
her own opportunities. You know, there are so many more things that are available to us as yoga teachers right now because the nut has been cracked on teaching virtually. And so this means that anybody that has a computer and an internet connection can now offer yoga classes, yoga workshops, meditation workshops, children's classes, partner yoga, weekend retreats, journaling exercises, anatomy trainings, chakra trainings, whatever it is. And if you find yourself, you know, saying right out of the gate, oh, no one's going to come to that. Well, then you're probably not cut out for this. I hate to say it because if your first response is to, you know, kind of say that's not possible. Well, what are you doing then? Right. You know, to be coachable is to be of possibility and to be of possibility is to create opportunities and to make things happen. And, you know, I hate to say it, if you're not comfortable as an entrepreneur, there is a high degree of entrepreneurship required for yoga teachers because there isn't a clear path. It's very rare that you're gonna see on uh, a yoga studio's website, sign, you know, click this link to apply for class. You're gonna need to find a way to get in contact with that studio owner. They're maybe not looking for a teacher and you really wanna teach there. You're gonna need to create an opportunity for that. You want to teach in that school or you want to, you know, create that program or you want to get out there and teach those outdoor classes. You can create that. You just need to take the steps to do it. And so for many yoga teachers that don't have any experience in entrepreneurship, don't have any experience in tech, don't have any experience in, you know, kind of using the tools that have become so integral to being a yoga teacher today, whether it's social media or website development or marketing or messaging or any of that. Yes, I hear you. It is stuff to learn. However, isn't it so cool that we have these endless opportunities that we're not bound by a particular path, a particular way, a particular style, a particular offering. We can create whatever we want. Uh, and so this goes back to that first thing I talked about in terms of the niche. However, just, you know, keep that in mind, you know, creating your own opportunities, it takes inner drive, it takes follow up, it takes dedication, it takes persistence. If these are things that you honestly, in assessing yourself, feel like you don't have, then that's really a moment for you to sit down and kind of decide how am I going to use my skill as a yoga teacher so that it's in sync with how I am as a person? If you're coachable and willing to develop and believe, as I believe, that anybody can develop the skill set that I just outlined, then, you know, all you need to do is hook up with a mentor and work with that mentor to build that skill set. And that is more than possible. I do mentorships with teachers all the time. And those are the kinds of things that we focus on, not just anatomy. So that's something to consider there. The next thing is, remember that your integrity is everything. And it comes through in your teaching, your emails, your social media posts, all the comments you make on social media. Your integrity is everything. When you don't have integrity as a teacher, you have nothing. 
If people can't depend on you, if people don't know that you're going to clean up the studio before you leave, if people don't know that you're going to show up for class, if people, you know, think of you as someone who constantly calls out sick or, you know, is unwilling to put in the hard work or, you know, makes nasty comments on social media or is snide or unfriendly or whatever it is, those things will haunt you forever the one thing that you truly can control is your integrity and it has everything to do with how you show up. And that leads me to this next thing. How you show up for one person is how you show up for a hundred people or more. And I can remember over the years, many, maybe not many, but classes definitely that I taught where there was one person that showed up. I used to teach a 6.30 a.m. class at Charlestown Yoga in Charlestown. And there were quite a few times one person would get up for a 6.30 class during the week. I can remember even like a random class at a more popular studio I taught at where it was like four o'clock on a Saturday, maybe, I don't know. And I had one, maybe two people. And you always get that initial sort of sinking feeling. And then for me, and I can actually remember, honestly, there was a workshop I taught one time that somebody, one person came to and there were other people signed up and one person actually showed up. And that person to this day is one of my most avid followers on social media. And whenever I see that person's uh, picture, I'm always like filled with so much love because we really had such a wonderful two-hour experience where I was really able to focus just on that one student in a workshop right? I still went through my entire agenda. So, you know, look, on some level, I hear you if you're thinking, oh, well, Karen, it's just such a bummer when there isn't more people energetically. Yeah, for sure. However, there's a reframe opportunity for all of us as teachers there to be of intense service to one person. And believe me, how you show up for that one person is how you show up for many persons, because it again speaks to your integrity as a teacher, speaks to who you are, what you're made of, what you're about, and really what you value. Because if all you value is having a class full of a bunch of people, that's not what being a quality, um, confident, skillful yoga teacher is. That comes from being of service. The quality of yoga teachers, you know, high level, highly skilled, high quality yoga teachers are willing to, you know, take that deep dive into working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, even if it's happening in a scenario where they didn't expect to teach a private, but just one person showed up for class. There are always opportunities for us to be of service and what better one than when one person comes to our class. And then the last piece here is the following. And that is your mindset is everything. Your mindset is everything. You know, I think about this a lot when I teach uh, anatomy for other people's 200 hour training programs, which if you're listening to this and you're a yoga studio owner, know that you can outsource to me the entire anatomy piece. I love, love, love to be teaching that portion of someone's 200 hour. So they, as the studio owner can go off and do other things. And so they can market their program in a way and say, you're going to have an intensive, high quality anatomy piece to, to your training. So that's just a little side note. The thing that I wanted to bring up though, about the training is it always makes me chuckle when I 
hear from teachers in 200 hour training programs, they go on and on about how hard it is and how long it is and how long the days are and they're not getting sleep and there's so much information and all of this. And when you think about your mindset, you signed up for that 200 hour teacher training program. No one forced you to do it. And yes, maybe objectively, it is hard. It is taking a lot of time. There is a lot of information. However, what an amazing opportunity. And we can have the mindset of all of those negative things, or we can have the mindset that this is a huge opportunity and a stepping stone for us developing into the yoga teacher we want to be. When it comes to mindset outside of this training scenario I'm talking about, you know, there's mindset as it relates to the scenario I talked about before. Only a couple people come to your classes or only one person comes to class. There's lots of different scenarios. You're teaching a class, you feel nervous, you beat yourself up after teaching that class, or you reframe it and you say, what can I learn from what happened? You have a weird interaction with the student. You feel like you're not getting the opportunities that you thought you were going to get. And now you need to create some opportunities and you're feeling that hesitation. You know, how all of these things are approached can be done through the lens of this is hard, this is challenging, I can't do this, or I totally have this, I am willing to learn, I'm willing to seek out the help that I need to get the outcome and the result that I want. And that, you know, mindset piece for me has become a huge part of my growth and development, not only as a yoga teacher, but as a business owner and as a person. And believe me, I'm someone that grew up and every morning I was grumpy. My father used to call me Lucy after Lucy uh, from Peanuts, you know, she used to pull the football out from Charlie Brown. So it does not come natural to me. It's really something that I retrain my mind to do. And I'm so happy that I did, you know, even on days when, you know, I have bumps in the road in my business, I'm, I'm not reaching people in a way I want, I'm not seeing, you know, the kinds of results that I want. I, I know that I have control over my thoughts, I have control over my mind, I have control over the way I see things. No one else can take that away from me. And that's something that I share with you. No one else can take that away from you. You can control your thoughts and how you see things. And it's not to say you're just going to put on these Pollyanna sunglasses. However, it is about seeing things through the lens of opportunity rather than through the lens of scarcity and lack. So that ends this, this kind of thought process here on different aspects of developing as a yoga teacher, developing your business, things I've learned along the way. I'll just review, there's 10 of them. I'll just review just the 10 as we wrap up here. Number one, find your niche. Number two, stop trying to be popular and instead look to be accessible. Number three, resist the urge to hitch your wagon to someone else and instead carve your own path. Number four, be skeptical if someone asks you for forever loyalty. I have that in quotes. Number five, be willing to step outside the prescribed path, especially when it comes to your education. Number six, exude confidence, even if you're a little nervous, but don't make shit up. Number seven, create your own opportunities. Number eight, remember your integrity is everything and comes through in your teaching, your emails, your social media posts, everything. Number nine, how you show up for one person is how you show up 
for 100 people or more. And then number 10, your mindset is everything. So with that, we'll wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still listening, you've made it to the end of the episode and I really appreciate your time. And always, as always, reach out to me. Let me know which one of these things really hit home for you, which one of these things sparked your interest and curiosity. I'd love to hear it. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Well, you made it to the end of the episode and now you're listening to the outro, which is amazing. Thank you so much for staying all the way until the end. So I want to just let you know that I just the other day put on my website on the events page, a really cool and short, it's like 20 minutes recorded workshop that I've done. And it covers how the topic of how to provide effective cues. And this is something that I get asked about all the time. So I wanted to do a special recorded webinar workshop that you could listen to, you can watch because it is uh, an actual visual workshop as if you were there with me in the studio, uh, or you could just listen to it. I think it's going to be better if you actually watch it. So how you get to this is super easy. You just go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. And on the events page, you're going to see the schedule for the events I'm holding on any particular month. And right on that page, you'll see a link to watch the automated webinar. And I like to call them workshops because in the teacher world, yoga teacher world, that's what we call these deep dives we do into different topics. And this one is no different. So just hop over there, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page, you can watch this uh, webinar that I recently recorded. Here we are in the middle of 2022, and it's got some really cool ideas and strategies that you can use to really build your confidence in your queuing. So once you watch that, if you have any questions, of course, just reach out to me and let me know, and I'm happy to hop on a call with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Namaste.